Greetings, Pears, Jorbins, and Retrogrades. I have had I Am Omicron, like the Black Sabbath song, this past week, and I have been one show shy. Normally, I do three shows, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then my first show back, back in the saddle. And I am completely honored to have with me a special guest here, a dignitary of Fox News and of the Acton Institute, Father Robert Sirico, about an excellent article that you wrote uh, earlier this week, Father. So thank you for joining me. Great to be back with you, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's cool when a guest on Rules for Retrogrades gets to the point where, you know, it's second, third, fourth time that I can say you guys are uh, alumni of the program. Your, your article on Fox News was called Pope Francis Should Let Catholics Pray Like Catholics. And the most interesting, well, one of the most interesting aspects, Father, of your article is that you're presenting this very inside baseball question about the TLM and Traditionis Custodis, which happened on July 16th of this year, and the follow-up on Traditionis Custodis, the so-called dubia. Very inside baseball stuff. You're presenting it to the wider Fox News reading audience, which is not just Catholic. And if it's Catholic, it's not usually traditionalist Catholic. So that's a totally different kind of article to write in defense of the Tridentine Latin Mass than you would write for, you know, Crisis Magazine or something, right? Yeah, no, it's good that you picked up on that because initially when I was talking to the editors, I said, I don't think this is going to be of interest to you. I mean, not your readership, you know. And uh, they challenged me to write it in such a way that would would bring in the whole audience. And uh, if they told me that it was number one and number two on their site when it went up. So I'm just wow. like, Thousand, I think there are a thousand responses. I, I don't read I'm, religiously. I do not read uh, comments because it's crazy land. But you um, can't. Yeah, <laughs> there are thousands of responses on there. Wow, wow! You can't you can't read comments. People out there, I tell you this. I, I do try to read emails if you keep them two lines or shorter. But you can't read comments on these things. People that it's are not healthy. To this. It's unhealthy. You'll go crazy. You'll hate yourself. You will die yeah. in self-loathing if you read the comments. So everyone that's been doing this for a long time knows it. Let me let me read um, the expertly uh, introduced, queued up, teed up article by Father Robert Sirico. It's a totally different endeavor writing this article for Fox News than uh, Crisis Magazine. A growing share of Americans, uh, three in 10, identify as none or none of the above when asked about their religious affiliation. Houses of worship are emptying, and those still left in the pews probably expect their spiritual shepherds to welcome more prayer, not less. It's what makes Pope Francis's recent ruling to restrict prayer in the Catholic Church so odd. The current Pope is known to some as the who am I to judge Pope, but now seems to have no problem judging faithful Catholics who pray in ways he simply does not like. Father, I, 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 try, I, I bring lots of people on this program that I agree with I, more often than not. You know, It's people I agree with and those who I disagree with. And usually I admire their opinions, yourself included. So I, I try not to gush, but this is an, an expertly teed up two-paragraph two intro to the Fox News audience, which knows nothing about what Tridentine even means. So, right. so really a excellent job there. Uh, that, I don't think I use the word Tridentine throughout the article at all. Which is key. <laughs> yeah. Old mass, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get into the the nuances of that, that debate, but 
I think it's important for people to see this is all part of a, a broader culture. I hate the word culture wars, the phrase culture wars, but uh, that, that it really fits in, in in a way. Absolutely. And you know, what's been striking to me is um, you know, I'm not not all of us are, are being asked for our opinions by Fox News. That's uh, only you, Father. But I do go on RT News from time to time. And I'm their like Catholic consultant. I'm the Catholic go-to. And a lot of the issues they're interested in are, do revolve around tradition and the traditionalist wars in, in Catholicism because it's the last piece of the puzzle, isn't it? I mean, couldn't, couldn't this be why they, they asked for this article from you? Like, well, it's maybe. It could be, you know, it really could be. A, what There's several things that really fascinate me about this whole discussion. And um, it has to do first with the fact that the criticisms that come are superficial generally. I mean, they evidence no real connection with the traditional community. I mean, uh, Tim, not to be too personal, but you hardly look like the traditionalist the Pope has in mind. Right. What he is right. condemning. I mean, I see that tattoo sneaking out from under your sleeve. Right. Uh, that's not what he's thinking when he thinks traditional. It's a button-down, you know, bow-tied uh, kind of uh, person. Right. And that's not been my experience. The other thing I need to say is, uh, disclaimer, I, I am not, uh, I don't know what the word is, traditionalist. I was trained in the new mass. I, I remembered the old mass as a child. Um, and I, without creating controversy among your own constituents, I don't think that the old mass is somehow superior to the new mass. I mean, I celebrate them both reverently and we celebrate our new mass in a, in a way that I think has continuity with the old mass. But it's not like I'm in, in some sect somewhere. I'm a, a diocesan priest in good standing with my diocese. The bishop very generously has given the necessary dispensations for us to, to function. Uh, so I, I'm not one of these people over in, uh, in the Shire uh, <laughs> doing this. Um, and if you come to the mass, well, but you've been to these kinds of masses, there are all kinds of people who come to them. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating when the people making the criticism have never even celebrated the mass. Uh, Absolutely. Which Absolutely. I mean, evidence is manifestly that he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> what I loved about your article is uh, you're citing 2014, where Francis started a slow, a creeping barrage on traditionalists. Again, it's a, it's a kind of zombie target class yeah. uh, that, that he doesn't even know what he's attacking 2014 he makes a remark about the the odiousness of traditionalists again in 2016 again in 2017 again in 2018 and you document this i often do this i think there's one in 2015 one throwaway remark about he said dig dig psychologically there's something wrong but you cite when was the and, rabbit's remark because I, th I thought that was uh that might have been around then yeah, the rabbit's remark, I think, was a couple weeks into the papacy in, in, in 13, maybe. But uh, I, I just he, he knows that he doesn't like traditionalists. 
he knows that he's got them pinned as some abstraction in his mind as as the enemy. But like you said, he doesn't he doesn't understand that there's a spectrum of traditionalists. Sure, there's the rad trads, which he he's he's uh, kind of using as the platonic form for all traditionalists. Right, right. And they 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 fit the bill decently well. They no, they, they like, do. It. But they've become the whole thing in in his mind. You know, I mean, I've never asked, I've never had anybody ask me to reserve, to, to make sure that the communion that I give them comes from a separate tabernacle or a separate suborium yeah. than from what was celebrated in Novus Ordo Mass prior to our Tridentine Mass. So I mean, that's what he has in his mind when he's saying this. And that's just not my, my lived experience of it. Absolutely. My my friend Boss, who sometimes comes on this show, Father, says that Traditionis Custodis, I think you'll like this, was like the common sense gun regulation of the, the you know the Catholic Party, insofar as it punished Traditionis Custodis did last summer. It punished the law abiding traditionalists yeah. for the sins of the non law abiding traditionalists. Oh, that's, that's and the non law abiding are above the law. They're above that's the That's a punishment. great analogy, yes. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, Isn't that what really is? Now, I understand that would be too much to get into uh, on on like this, this excellent Fox News piece, because people out there are just being introduced to there still is a Latin mass, let alone there are all these different kinds of people and enjoy different canonical status. You know, the other reason I wouldn't draw that analogy in that kind in that form is that I don't want the liturgy to to kind of be. Uh, conflated with the political uh, issue because it it is distinct. One of the frustrating things about people reading and commenting on these things is they immediately make political analogies. And while I, I love that analogy, I think it's a great metaphor, a very apt, very well thought out. Um, I, I don't want this to be seen as a, a, a left-right issue. It's, it's a matter of the tradition uh, of the church and the continuity of that tradition. Isn't it though? I mean, like, I look. Let let me just say this. I push back when people say, "Oh, you know, we don't want to say left and right are analogous for the church." You know, and, and this analogy can always be, be implemented, but but there is no left, there is no right in the church. I just I look at the church even before Francis, which is like red letter day one. And I'm like, there's still a, a meaningful distinction, not even as an analogy, but as species to genus. This is just a certain kind of leftism or a certain kind of right rightism. I, I don't know that left and right, though, which comes out of, you know, the 19th century and the, the houses of parliament is the right thing. It's orthodoxy and heterodoxy. It's uh, enthusiasms versus the, the, the authentic development of, of the church. So I think we have to think in a, um, in a way, in a pre-political way about these theological issues. Somebody uh, wrote in response to one of my tweets, and I, he said, you want to go back to the 16th century? And I, in effect, said, no, no, I want to go back way further than that. Yeah, how about, how about, the, how about the third? How about the fourth? The, how about the second? Yeah. No, I mean, no, Justin Martyr. I mean, anyway. But it, it, so in the sense I'm I, I'm using the term political in a pre Straussian Aristotelian. Way. Yeah. And yeah. in, in the Aristotelian way, Paul, yeah. you know, ethics and politics are mutually constitutive. Politics yeah. just means yeah. of or concerning the people. 
and yeah. left and right apply there as well as they would in the, the Straussian way. What did, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. not to push the issue, not to nurse the issue, but it's just like, I don't know that it would be that unhelpful. Just, just, just indulge the hypothetical for a minute with me, Father. I don't think it would be that misleading for the average Fox News, because a lot of eyeballs read your article. Okay, that, yeah. that was why I was so excited when my friends sent it to me. I was like, oh, Father Sirico, what a great voice to be on Fox News. A lot of eyeballs read this. And as the information went up the optic nerve to the brains, they processed it as this is a left right issue. This is more I know you hate the term, but it is a, a, another uh, it's downstream of the culture wars and it's tradition, which is good, which is right against modernism which is bad which is uh sinister which means left actually i just don't want to invert the priority here um it's yeah. downstream of the culture wars the culture wars are downstream of the tradition sure agreed agreed the deviancy of it but it, it, could i just make a, another point that i think your your audience will appreciate and that i was afraid that maybe the fox audience wouldn't appreciate the ire is being directed right now. I think it's going to come to places like the fraternity and the, the other um, communities that just celebrate the traditional mass. The thing I wanted to underscore here is that this is being directed at communities of continuity, like Cantius. Uh, and this is where I think they're afraid because they see the growth. Right now, it's not a large number of people uh, when you think of the overall Catholic population, it's not a large number of people. But the growth rate is, is astounding. I mean, I don't know. Somebody needs to take a poll. Since the motu proprio of Francis, what's been going on at Tridentine masses, uh, the legitimate masses, the, the masses in dioceses around the country that have the, you know, are living it out. Ours is packed. We had to put chairs in the back. And, and we have a relatively large sanctuary. I think it holds about 750 people. So I think, I think they have their eyes on that, or at least a small group of people have their eyes on that in the Roman Curia. Yeah, I, was, that I, I 100% agree. I was looking for a tweet where I, I think I, I framed it uh, half decently that uh, I was hoping to have up. It was one of my own tweets, which uh, imagine the embarrassment. But I was basically saying, look, in, in the 60s, the, the so-called need for Sacrosanctum Concilium, which you know is a document I've, I've defended in the four corners of the document, was premised on the idea that kind of pre-boomers had during and after the council that young people didn't accept the old mass and that yeah. this liturgical reform was needed for, for the pastoral care of the census fidelium because they wouldn't accept the old mass. And now as it's become apparent over the last three generations, that that Oops. was a, a sheer lie. Yeah. Right. And that the young people flock to, you call it the teen mass, which I loved in your, <laughs> in your article in the third to last paragraph, you say, Oh, I call the teen mass, the TLM. This enrages the old dinosaurs because it, it yeah. gives the lie to their ostensible, you know, their justification ostensibly for making the change in the first place. And those who ever believed it 
now are in the position where they can either abandon the lie, right, right. that they made this change on the basis of exigency, or they can, you know, seek to cover it up. And yeah. you either care about pastoral care or you don't. If you care about pastoral care, young people yeah. and middle aged people and old people flock to the old mass. It may it may be that in the '60s that was the case. You know, I I, I mean, I was there. I, I saw what was going on. But it's certainly not the case today. I mean, and in this news cycle, in this debate right now, there was an article maybe a few weeks ago, I think it was in America, uh, where they had a whole series of articles of people on this. And and this one person, his whole argument was that this is nostalgia, uh, that this is older people and they're going. And I thought to myself, my goodness, man, you know, just it's, it's not at all. It's people learning or seeking transcendence. They're seeking God. What, what was that sign they used to have up in Poland during the, the protests? Give us God. We want God. Right. And that's what right. people are saying today. We want God. We just want to have a sense of the reverend. Right. Not, not, nothing's nostalgic about it because no one born after World War II grew up under the trappings of you know christendom so so that's that's a bunch well, yeah that's a bunch of nonsense i i agree with you here's the actual tweet i did father i said radical caths went from bragging in 1970 the new mass is going to be more popular with the youths to yesterday removing tlm times from the worldwide parish bulletins all because <laughs> the old mass is too popular with the youths <laughs> i don't know that yeah, says it all doesn't it yeah, I mean, isn't the petty administrative tyranny of Francis now naked for all the world to see that he's monitoring the parish bulletins? Is this not <laughs> the more the most antithesis it could get, the apotheosis of he's not judging and he's not micromanaging? Well, it certainly begs us to ask the question, what is the urgency of this thing? Um, why the the repeated references, the repeated uh, snipes at conservatives, the traditional, the snipes at um, the EWTN or the sniping about conservatives over, over the weekend or the draconian measures that are being taken in Chicago by uh, Cardinal Supich with, uh, I mean, it's directed obviously at uh, St. John Cantius. On their feast day, it was told to them. And the press release had already been sent to America and the National Catholic Reporter and the Osorio uh, Romano. Uh, what, what, what's going on here? What's the urgency of this thing? Why the brutality of it? Right. It lacks finesse. It, it, it bespeaks hair on fire. You know? Right, right. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see this is exactly where I wanted to move in the, the second half of this interview. If you have time, Father. Sure. Talk about teleology a little bit. But um, first, I want to remind people, because it's near and dear to my heart, that now that we're in the new year, the third reiteration of COVID year, right? Um, COVID time. Yeah, this is just it. We're just rerunning. We're rerunning 2020, then 2021. Now it's going to be 2022. COVID time. We're in the octave. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely, Father. When, when we were getting ready to roll into 2021, um, everyone was like, oh, is it going to be better than 2020? I really hope so. There was a lot of speculation. I remember last, last New Year, 
going into 2022 after 2021 proved an utter reduplication of 2020 no one was asking that anymore they get that this is the new normal and that the uh, prerogatives of the globalist worldwide left are just going to play out the way that they've been set up to play out but so i want to encourage people to go to realestateforlife.org so that you can get out of your blue states and get to a red state do like i did get out of your blue state get to a red state there are lots of personal familial uh Republican with a small R and uh, even global reasons for doing so. Get out of your blue state to a red state. I recommend the broad blood red swath of states from Texas to Florida. That's where I went. I'm in Mississippi. Go to realestateforlife.org and they will help you. I would also like to encourage people to like, subscribe, click the notification bell, leave a comment on this video. I know you hear all YouTubers do this and you're probably not habituating this, but if you do, it really helps. Um, go to timothyjgordon.com because we are starting a new swath of live classes and pre-recorded classes on Retrograde Classical Academy. In spring, we have these three exciting live classes. Another intro to Latin course um, that'll be taught live by me. A introduction to the U.S. Constitution course in preparation for the ruling that we're going to get in June or July on the most important SCOTUS case in the history of this country, Dobbs versus Jackson's women's health, which could end Roe versus Wade. So I'm just going to explain to you the basic concepts. What is due pro? Oh, you know, what is procedural due process? What is substantive due process? 14th amendment. What is article one, section eight? We're going to go through some history, some of the ratification debates, a, a little bit of the technical terms, and then some of the case law. It's going to be really fun intro to, constitution and then a third class that will be most fun and will be the most of an aid to us uh, parish orphans and retrogrades denizens of a failed time will be this tolkien class taught by my friend anthony that'll be live introduction to the works of tolkien it's going to be really amazing go to timothyjgordon.com and uh enroll because classes begin in a couple of weeks okay so father what I want to ask you is this. It's a, it's a little bit of a tough ask because it's so uh, painted between the lines, the teleology. But kind of like the COVID nonsense, the Pope Francis Kabuki Theater, which has now been going for nearly nine years. Can you believe that? What, you write this article, excellent article on Fox News uh, that I've been you know, the, the entire is the entire premise for this show uh, entitled Pope Francis should let Catholics pray like Catholics. I've written um, a dozen or more articles on Francis over the last five years. And we just presuppose because we're we're not dupes. We presuppose he's moving against traditionalists. He doesn't like tradition. He doesn't like the Catholic way to pray traditionally speaking. He doesn't like these healthy modes of Catholic ritualism. What Can we zoom out a little bit and have a discussion that people were having in 2014, 2015, if they're a little bit on top of this? I never trusted Francis and I was on top of this, but what does it all mean? Kind of like the COVID stuff. We're presupposing the big conclusion without saying it. And it's a weird thing to have gotten used to. Is he evil? 
do do I have you there, Father? Yeah, yes. I, I, I was that the Holy Spirit that was choking you out there uh, for a moment. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I I coughed a little bit. Did you did you hear uh, the question though, or maybe maybe? Yes, uh, I did. No, I heard the whole question. Yeah. Um, I, I you know I think this is a really an important point you're making, and um, I do. Let me directly answer the question. I don't think the Pope is evil. Um, uh, nor do I even think that there is a, um, in his mind now, um, a particular broad and consistent strategy, um, a whole vision or a vision of the whole, let's say, in the way that, for instance, uh, St. John Paul II began his pontificate with um, a plan on the Tetsu Millennium. He was already thinking about uh, what the millennium would look like. And, uh, you know, and that was 28 years uh, later that you come to it. So um, my suspicion, or if I may speculate and then offer a caution, uh, my suspicion is that Pope Francis's personality is that he gets irritated at things and they become bugaboos. I mean, I've seen people like this. They just, and they talk themselves into it and it can be accentuated uh, if there are people around him fanning the flames. If there's any attempted plan or systematic approach to this, I think it's coming from people other than Francis. I think they're taking his inspiration. I think they agree with him basically, but they have a more systematic view. I don't think that Francis is a systematic thinker. I think when you hear his homilies and you see what he's reflecting on, he's just um, responding to the moment in a kind of almost charismatic uh, sort of way. But is there is there a? I mean, that, that look. I see that is one very realistic competing theory within a universe of possible theories because we're we're dealing in the speculative. So I. I can right, completely right. respect that answer, but where and then I, I want to go back to the caution I want to offer. But go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, me, let me do, come do back your to that. First, do, well, my caution is that we have to have a church after this. You know, and my my fear is that there's some people on the right, uh, if we may use your term, who are fulfilling the 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 greatest um, fears of of the Pope and his. Comrades, that 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 we there are people who will fall into or being invited into being sectarians, and if anything is anti-Catholic, it's this kind of sectarian mentality that would pull us out of the church, uh, that would create in us an enthusiastic. Uh, faith in uh, Knox's uh, understanding of enthusiasm moves away from yeah. core uh, thrust of of the church's development. So I want to be very ca- cautious both in what I say and in my rhetoric in saying it. I think um, we can disagree with the Pope without being disobedient to the Pope. Uh, he is the successor of Peter. Now, that may drive some of your viewers right up the wall there, but uh, I'm a Catholic priest. I believe in the episcopacy, and including the episcopacy of the Bishop of Rome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, after 
Traditionus Custodis, Father, you might not know this. I was doing debates against some representing the considered opinion of, of some of those sectarians. And I was saying, look, the sectarians, which, you know, this goes back to like 1988. It does antedate the Francis Pontificate by decades. It is premised on. Well, well let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. That entire mode of thinking about the church is premised on wishful thinking. The nature of my debate was not, could Francis do that? What was not, should Francis do this? It was, could Francis do this? And I feel like when it gets into whether or not taking decisive movements against tradition is prudent, you know, a, a, a should question, I have to caution a, a group of adults you know, almost like little children that could and should are not the same thing. Could I jerk my the wheel of my car when I'm doing 80 on the highway? Well, yeah, I could. All I have to do is that, right? Should I? Absolutely not. It's a strong, yes, I could. And it's a strong, no, do anything but that when it comes to right. whether I should. Sure. So, sure. so the good, sectarian, good. there seems to be this leading moment in the sectarian, in the sectarian enthusiasm that you're uh, associating with Knox. A great, great use of the term that uh, the, the leading moment is none other than the could should uh, conflation. Yeah. Right. And, and I, th I, th and I think that that's grown stronger with Francis's pontificate, but he's emboldened the sectarians. But I think by design, because yes. I, I, th I maybe I tend toward the, the evil hermeneutic of this pontificate, but um yeah, that's. I, was there some other aspect of the caveat you wanted to develop? No, I, I think I, I just want to kind of stay with the church, uh, e even when her administrators are not um, very prudent people, uh, or when they are. Uh, and I don't know that this is. I don't know the Pope. I mean, I've only met him once, and we just had a brief conversation. But when they have defective personalities or quirks in in their own way of thinking, especially when they're enabled by mediocre men, because the, the class of people around him uh, are not, from what I can see, by the nature and the quality of these documents and the themes and stuff, these are not quality men. These are not men of substance, uh, not men of a knowledge of theology or philosophy or liturgy. So in that sense, there's a great hope, <laughs> you know, that this stuff won't last long. Once this pontificate concludes, um, I think the cleaning up operation uh, is not going to be the house is burned down, but that there's a, a lot of junk around that needs to be dusted out. I just want to set your mind at ease, Father. Yeah, literally, I was on the side representing continuity. No, I know you are. I know you are. Yeah. Cause I, I, I really am strongly where you're at. It's like, look, I mean, I even put it on after July when Traditionis Custodis came out and the sectarianism notched up even more. I literally put it on this YouTube channel. I was like the, you know, traditionalism for bold yet obedient Catholics. So I was like, we have to say that right. obedience is the way, but right. there are ways we're allowed we're allowed to be moderately disobedient and there are ways we just aren't. And we have to decipher them, particularly as Catholics and particularly as Catholics under Francis. 
Well, it's that's just being dis. It's not a question to my mind of being obedient or not. I'm going to be obedient. You know, I mean, if I have to, uh, other than when I'm asked to violate the the natural law. Uh, but it's uh, being able to voice my opinions. Uh, obedience is not sycophancy. It's not sitting back and saying, oh, yes, Holy Father, yes, Holy Father. No, th- these are factual things. These are things that are wrong and, and also things that are just imprudent. They create great pain to good people. I see it as a pastor. I see it. Yeah. And, uh, that prompts me to speak up. Uh, and I, I won't be quiet. We'll stand him to his face <laughs> to uh, quote a scripture. Yeah, yeah like Paul to Peter. This is why people need to hear from more uh, great, strong priests like you, Father. Here's, so here's the, here's the pushback. We agree on all that uh, 100% right. without caveat. But he, so here's the pushback. Not that I'm certain this is right, but this is at least the other ro- robust competing theory. The Holy Spirit does not vouchsafe the personal holiness of any of the 266 popes like... This book, The Sankt Gallen Mafia yeah. uh, by Julia Maloney, actually wrote the forward on this. It describes the conditions for the possibility of a Francis pontificate. And it's particularly the personnel conditions for the possibility. But yeah. one strange thing that Catholics defending errant popes tend to be forced into doing, even if they don't want to, is the uh, the lieutenant culpability shift so like taking jp2 jp2 late in his pontificate did so and even not so late did some things that 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 make a lot of people uncomfortable and um so we just blame the lieutenants and all of a sudden the rebuttable the ordinary course of dealing with hierarchical uh you know pyramidal hierarchies is that it's a rebuttable presumption but it should be our default presumption the person with the powers running the show and the people around him are kind of just implementing, you know, executing the plan that he wants. But as Catholics, whenever JP2 starts doing some wacky stuff, Francis has done nothing but wacky stuff. We tend to shift the culpability to the lieutenants and invert that rebuttable presumption, right? And start saying, oh, he's just listening too much to the lieutenants, which can happen because you're the average of the five people you spend the most time around or, or however the cliche now goes but it could be the other way around and the the hypothetical could be the other way around actually is quite a a reasonable uh option isn't it yeah no i i can see how you can speculate in in that regard and i agree with you that it's a, a probably a combination of both with a propensity on one side more than on the other i mean i think that uh jt j jp2's personality, his systematic way of thinking, his philosophical orientation uh, prevented him from doing more um, marginal things. I mean, I could see how, uh, if you would ask me which of those things that I find most discomforting, it would be the kissing of the Quran. But I could also see how that I mean, I wasn't there. I wasn't there in the moment. I wasn't there in his head. But I could almost see how that was an attempted gesture toward um, love and embrace. And, you know, I mean, uh, 
I could never think of myself as doing it, but I wasn't there at the moment. That's the way I'd like to think of it. It was a momentary and superficial thing. Because when you read what he writes about the Quran uh, or, or Islam or, or uh, Ratzinger even more so, um, you, you find core Catholic theology. Um, but with, with Francis, it's almost the inverse. It's like everything is uh, spontaneous without deep thought. So the aberrations are the, the, the walks into orthodoxy. I mean, to be honest, Francis, when he's asked about gender and when he articulates the, the, the philosophy or the theology of gender theory, it's solid. It's Catholic, <laughs> you know. Uh, he, he pops off on on questions of life and murdering children. Uh, that's you know what annoys us is his his willingness to play footsie with Nancy Pelosi and and Biden. But on the issue, he's solid. Now maybe he in his own head is thinking, I, I have to kind of do this. Did you call it a kabuki dance? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Kabuki dance in order to achieve the gospel. It's not something I find persuasive. That is, if that's what his theory is. Yeah, I I just still put it all back in the context of Cardinal Walter Brandmuller, a very holy man. Again, not a sectarian. One of the four dubia cardinals who is right. not in any way sectarian with regard to Vatican II. Kind of like Cardinal Burke you know, the only two remaining uh, surviving dubia cardinals. And Cardinal Brandmuller said back in the second year of this pontificate, look, communion for the divorced and civilly remarried first. I mean, that's a huge deal. We've just gotten used yes. to it that he made that happen, but he did. That's first. Then, um, then, then uh, very probati, then women deacons, and then intercommunion with the Lutherans. So, at the very least. This yeah, but is- a lot of that is very speculative. You know, a lot of that, uh, even, even he didn't come out, you know, it was this, this little nuanced footnote in uh, the, the, the post-conciliar, the post-synodal document. He hasn't come out formally and said this. I think it's problematic. I think it's terrible. But what I'm saying is that it, it is not as full fronted as, uh, you know, somebody else might have done. I mean, if you- that's what makes me think it's evil. And remember, Father, uh, yeah, in April sneaky. 2016, it was in a footnote. But six months later, in October 2016, the Argentine bishops uh, said, hey, is this what this footnote means? And Francis said, yes. And he put it yeah. in the AAS. Yes. That's what, yes, that's you're what right. evil. See, I don't forget yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Yes, no, no, and you shouldn't. <laughs> it's of, hard to get around. And, and uh, it like, is. it is. Yeah. So I, who knows? Who knows? And I, I think, you know, I think the hermeneutic of this pontificate is impossible during his life while it's still going. It, it, yeah, I think you're probably right. And so, what provoke, I mean, you, you, you started with the question of teleology. Uh, what it will provoke in the end is what we don't see yet. I mean, what was that line that um, Joseph says to his brothers when they come to Egypt uh, and they're apologizing for throwing him in the well? And he said, you intended it for my, my evil, but God intended it for good. Right. Uh, right. 
great good can come from all of this. What we, that's why I say what we have to do is be sane and focused and faithful. We, we need to have the church at the end of this, this whole thing, and we need to be in it. We don't need to be like Feeney, who argues extra ecclesia nulla salus, and then finds himself extra ecclesia, uh, end of the game. And that's what we don't want to do. Right. Yeah. Amen, Father. I, I think is one possible outcome to be one of these red pilled people that also that also <laughs> has sees positive paths to to uh, affirmative goods. That that was one of the gifts of like the late great Rush Limbaugh. I see a lot of that in the uh, younger Michael Knowles. I I'd, I'd like to be in that tradition where you're totally red pilled. You see all the bad angles, but you also see there are always these you catastrophical you catastrophe paths back to the good because god died on a cross for us so i think what could be one of the true paths benedict did a very very pale weak inflection of this but i think the reform of the reform the true version of sacrosanctum concilium um which would look much more like the tlm than like the novus ordo in its most common form i think that could be around the corner if if things go cheery what do you think? No, I think that's a real possibility. It, 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 this moment, uh, if I can go back to Chicago for a moment, I mean, it's, it's funny how all of this played out right over Christmas. You know, it was the Feast of St. John Cantius when the Cantians were told about these draconian measures. Uh, and then in the uh, actual directives from uh, Cardinal Supich, it says that the traditional mass will not be celebrated on Christmas, Easter, Pentecost, etc., and then at midnight mass at Saint Sabrina <laughs> comes the spe spectacle of Father Flager's whatever it was. Uh, I don't know if it was a mass or not. I, I could only, you know, but my 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 statement is: if you want to find the true celebration of the Novus Ordo go not to St. Sabrina, but to St. John Cantius, and the way they celebrate the Novus Ordo as St. John Cantius, which, by the way, I've never been to St. John Cantius. I, don't, I, I know a few of them peripherally uh, and have a high regard for them. I knew Father Phillips, but so I'm not an insider there at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 funny. What 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 actually happened at the Flager Mass? Was it like? Uh, oh, you have to go on YouTube and see it. I mean, it's more outrageous than anything you've ever seen presented at a Catholic Mass. It was their midnight Mass, and it was it's just this big jazz spectacular with lights and uh, moving parts and dance and stuff. And there's no penitential right at the beginning. Uh, I, I just watched maybe 15, 20 minutes. If the music wasn't even that good, I didn't think, you know, if people want to see uh, something like that, then I think you want to see some quality stuff, not yeah. what they were doing. The, the dancing was bad. The music was bad. Um, but I know what they were attempting, the light show and then Flager. Uh, showing up in a dashiki with a peace symbol around his neck. Wow. I I'm looking at it right now. Oh, it's outrageous. It's quite outrageous. This is in the same diocese that's restricting John Cantius. This is, right. You don't know how the Cardinal um, can show his face in public. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, Father, 
because it's 2022 and we are denizens of clown world. That's why this would not make sense five or 10 years ago, but it makes sense now. Can you, can you, as a parting shot, give us some, some more hope on our way out? Cause that's, that's what I try to do is give some realistic hope. That's not naive. Well, it's not naive to think that real wise men still seek him, you know, that, that the, the confidence I have in the tradition is the confidence I have in the veracity of the Catholic faith. Right. It will and has perdured through time with all kinds of things pulling at every which end uh, of it. And yet here we are uh, still defending, still living this faith. So, I mean, uh, the truth is a stubborn thing. (laughs) And so I I think in the end, uh, he wins. No, thank you. Thank you very much, Father Sirico. And thank you for writing that. It was a really great article. And I am am confident that you got a a strong reaction. It doesn't surprise me at all that that it was number one or number two throughout that day. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have you back on. I know you've got some projects happening with the Acton Institute, which maybe we can talk about in a, a totally different show in the late spring, sure. early summer. But um, sure. thank you so much for joining me. People go check out the article if you haven't seen it. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, Father, any any other parting shots? No, I just wish uh, all of you and your, your fine listeners a very blessed new year. Uh, stay close to the faith. Stay close to our lady and and we can't go far wrong. Amen, Father. Des Volt.